Hello from Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the 401 Access Denied podcast, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or a review on your platform of choice, or by emailing us at podcast at delinea.com. From all of us at Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 401 Access Denied podcast. I'm the host of the show, Joe Carson, a Chief Security Scientist and Advisory CISO at Delinea, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. And this is a very special edition because very rarely do we get to do these opportunities of the podcast in person. It's been a, quite a while. I think uh, one of the previous times we did this was back in RSA where we actually did a couple of episodes in person uh, with the awesome John Hammond, uh, Pamela Dingle, um, and it was fantastic episode. So really glad to be back in person again. Um, and this really kind of changes the, the atmosphere. It really gets more exciting for me because um, it allows a kind of really intriguing discussion. Um, so I'm actually joined by a very special guest today. Um, so I'm going to let uh, Tanel uh, introduce herself. If you want to, Tanel, give us a bit of a background about who you are, what you do, and uh, you know some fun things about yourself. Well, hello first, and, and thanks for inviting me. Um, my name is Tanel Zep. I'm 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 been Estonian diplomat now for 21 years, and uh, for the past two years I have been uh, Estonia's uh, ambassador at large for cyber diplomacy, as well as um, head of uh, digital and cyber diplomacy department. Mm -hmm. um, but l l let me say also that, that uh, for me as a diplomat, it's more natural to speak uh, re really face-to-face, -face, <laughs> uh, because you cannot do diplomacy only through Zoom mm -hmm. or, or any other device. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm really happy to do it in person. Fantastic, and it's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, so, give us a bit. Of, I mean, what like you know is uh, has Estonia had a cyber ambassador for a long time? Um, and how did you get into the role? What did you do prior to becoming uh, the cyber ambassador for Estonia? Well, I am the second cyber ambassador. Mm -hmm. um, we have we've had this this digital cyber profile for many years now mm -hmm. because we have been in the forefront of, of digitalizing our our uh, governance and 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 the whole society mm -hmm. for many years already. Um, but I got into the, the cybersphere uh, actually when I, was, when I was serving in uh, D.C., mm -hmm. in Washington. And uh, one of these uh, tasks I had, uh, and I was there as a deputy head of mission, was to engage more with the Congress. Mm -hmm. And I went to D.C. in 2012, and then it was really scratching every single door, <laughs> trying to uh, talk about our security situation, but it was really difficult. Mm -hmm. And then I found that cyber was a field that could open the doors. Mm -hmm. And I do remember I had my first cyber lecture by then our uh, defense counselor and now mm -hmm. our ambassador to the U.S., <laughs> Christian Pick. We were uh, one one uh, one evening. We we just grabbed a couple of beers, mm -hmm. and he gave me kind of first lecture, and it seemed logical enough for me uh, that I thought that okay, I can take it, and I felt that this is really a topic for Estonia, mm -hmm. um, and that's where it started. Of course, um, I was in DC until 
2015 and mm-hmm. 2014 Crimea happened in between. Yes. Then all the floods opened. I mean, <laughs> we started counting which uh, U.S. senators have not been to Estonia. Um, so it, re- but it really gave mm-hmm. me kind of basis for uh, continuing my journey after that at the Ministry of Defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I was invited to become a deputy head of uh, cyber policy department there and i was re- responsible mainly for the international cooperation fantastic and that definitely those times are really lots of incidents and lots of activities was happening throughout the years um and definitely one of the things you know around uh, estonia you know cybersecurity being very important can you tell us a bit about you know how how important is cybersecurity for estonia um of course there was you know there's been several events over the years including 2007 um can you tell us you know how important is it for the country and uh, you know what's the priority around uh, cybersecurity um estonia went estonian government mm-hmm. went uh, to uh, paperless mode mm-hmm. already near 2000 we've had uh, most of the uh, services digitalized already for a long time mm-hmm. uh, before covid we had uh, we had this joke that there are two services that you cannot do online one is uh, real estate transactions mm-hmm. and the second one is getting married and divorced so with covid we we solved the real estate transactions mm-hmm. and the joke is that we're working on marriage <laughs> partly um you can already submit your uh, marriage application mm-hmm. online um but you have to get you have to be in in person there like our podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so there, there's a lot of this 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 background noise mm-hmm. in in terms of, of what we have been really trying to do and it has become kind of part of our dna to do things online mm-hmm. i i also served um, in afghanistan okay uh, long time ago 2009 until 11 and uh, i do remember i i was carrying out also elections for mm-hmm. estonian soldiers in helmand and i had this this uh, ballot box with me <laughs> and, and and we set up tents and then the mm-hmm. small booths uh, for for the, our guys to be able to vote and, and then it was so funny for me um, i was really proud that there, there was a line mm-hmm. waiting to to cast a vote but ha- around half of the guys told me that no no no, i'm not coming i have my id card i can vote mm-hmm. online that, that that kind of hit me that mm-hmm. this is this is where we are already so it's so kind of it has said part of our dna mm-hmm. to do things yeah. online i mean why should you go and then stay in, standing queues yeah, and and, and queues, especially exactly. the weather here is not uh, not something you want to be spending time going uh and standing in queues and uh, waiting for long lines and finding parking and it, it one of the things i always say is that uh uh what changed in estonia is that it's really emphasized on reducing wasted time um and that's one of the things you know we always talk about in the world what's the most valuable things and some people talk about real estate some people talk about data and cryptocurrencies and so forth and oil and um, energy they they focus on the 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 physical things but i always look at what things that we have that we have personally that we all have limited off and it's time and the less uh, time i spend wasting in queues and filling in forms and filling in forms multiple times with the same data um the better it is for my life and and it gives me time back and that's one thing 
I enjoy about Estonia is it actually focuses on reducing the waste of time and allowing the citizens to really do the things that matters the most and prioritize that. In my mind, I, I put it the other way around. Mm. It's not uh, reducing the, the waste of time, but it, it's really gaining time for whatever you want to do. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's giving you the time to do the things you enjoy. Exactly. And uh, I, I, I mean, I've seen quite mm. many these different presentations from different distilling authorities mm. about the, the, the X-Road, the, the mm -hmm. kind of backbone system yep. we have for this, <clears throat> or uh, just the governance and there has been this, this one picture of a young couple in a park. Mm -hmm. And that, that is exactly the, the reason why we're doing it. So that you would have time for your family, for mm -hmm. your hobbies, or for whatever else you want to do. Um, and as you said, I mean, we are all equal in terms of, mm -hmm. of, uh, of the time we have. Yep. So absolutely. And that's one of the things I always enjoy about the digitalization here. Um, and... For me, you know, I can't remember the last time I went to a government office or, you know, for, for basically filling in a form or doing any type of signing. I think um, it's been a long, long time, um, even to the point where in Estonia that uh, I even got rid of, the, we had, used to have two cars, we would get rid of one car because there was no need. Uh, because you didn't have that need to go like to all the different places and it was so much easier to get around and do things digitalized wise. So, you know, that's the cornerstone and backbone of Estonia. What what happened in 2007 that kind of really changed, uh, that that brought cybersecurity more to the forefront? Okay. Um, I mean, we don't like to interact anyhow with uh, other people. Yes. <laughs> that, that's, an, that's another good thing that, uh, about digitalization, mm -hmm. that we can do things from home. I mean, this is, this is a joke about Estonian nation. After, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, I mean, you know it um, after having been lived here um, so in in 2007 what happened was that the government um, decided to uh, uh, displace mm -hmm. a Soviet era a military statute mm -hmm. uh, from the center of Tallinn to the military cemetery yes. that is also quite in the center of Tallinn yeah, it's actually it's it's walkable <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um, but whatever we do, and this has been throughout the years, is that every, every single decision by Estonian government that is somehow linked to our history or mm -hmm. linked to Russia, our neighbor, is all, always taken up by Russians mm -hmm. uh, in one or another mode. Um, we saw riots in, in Estonia. Mm -hmm. And as I said, we don't like to interact with other people. And rioting is yeah. not anything. But, I mean, this is so far from, from our <laughs> ideal life um, that th this is really a rare occasion. Mm -hmm. So obviously there, there was some inst instigation behind that. And, and, and our Estonian police was uh, uh, quite resolute in, mm -hmm. in uh, putting the right down. And then hacks uh, or DDoS attacks yeah. uh, started. It was the first time when a whole government or so many mm -hmm. different services from the public and private sector were targeted. Yep. So it was our banking sector, our media. Mm -hmm. I was, um, I remember I, I, I could not access my work email for a week or so. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was, uh, uh, here's a one life hack mm -hmm. that, 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 is, <laughs> that I, I was given that, at that time when the riots happened. And Estonian mm -hmm. media was down. I was I was watching CNN, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. in my Brussels apartment. And uh, somebody told me, hey, um, through Skype, uh, then, mm-hmm. hey, uh, check the, the weather, fo- weather forecast sites. They have mm-hmm. also live cameras <laughs> in, uh, to, and directed to, to the yeah. center of Tallinn. And uh, there you could actually see, I mean, uh, real time what was happening. Having this, this open mind and, and thinking outside the box is one thing. But anyhow, this, this is this event, and today I don't want to kind of mm. overemphasize what happened. We had DDoS attacks, mm-hmm. services were taken down. We managed to restore the services quite fast. And that is a really important mm-hmm. lesson for uh, yeah. anybody after, uh, for the future. But the most important thing there was that these attacks brought cybersecurity as a theme mm-hmm. to politics. Absolutely. Before I, I, I even, because I've been in the industry for quite a long time, and I don't remember any time prior to that um, it being on a top agenda for any government. Or in in the political scene, even on the media side, you know, of course, prior to that, there was lots of, you know, there's the anonymous side of things that happened prior to that. So there was uh, lots of DDoS attacks that happened, you know, in the years before. Uh, but I think this is the really kind of the first one that really targeted, you know, a society at, at, at large. And at, you know, and, and I think even the media made it out to be more than what it, you know, because I remember, yes, things were slow for a few days. But the basically the Estonian government and IT and the, the uh, responded very quickly, and uh, within a few days everything was back up and normal. If you were outside Estonia, you probably had a bit more difficulty accessing systems in Estonia. Uh, but if you were in the country, within a few days things were back to normal almost. Uh, yes, things were a bit slower, but uh, um, it, I, I always felt that you know from the outside and the media made it you know that it was bringing the country to a standstill. But yeah, it's, it, it, it was inconvenient. <laughs> I mean, for, for mm. me, um, if I want to paraphrase mm. one, one, uh, one saying, it would be like, thanks, Putin. <laughs> I mean, this, this really gave additional attention to, yes. to what we were already doing in Estonia. Mm-hmm. And, and for, for example, uh, these attacks really helped um, to, to restart developing mm-hmm. thought around cybersecurity and cyber defense in NATO. Yep. We already had established our own kind of national cyber defense uh, mm-hmm. center of excellence. But that helped to gather further political support. Mm-hmm. And after these attacks, we, we, since then, we have the NATO Corporate to Cyber Defense Center yep. of Excellence. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the best um, think tanks in uh, in uh... absolutely. It's it's really kind of getting to the point where it's able to now start analyzing all the capabilities and all the research that's happening about some of the best practices about the cooperation um, and uh, really kind of bringing lots of countries together to cooperate and work together. It's really took a lot of those you know previously where there's lots of walls down and sharing of information, and that's one of the places that actually enables it enables those important discussions. Um, absolutely, and, and, and uh, we didn't have this kind of center mm-hmm. before. And uh, right now, seeing what the center is doing, uh, I mean, uh, they're still organizing the world's largest live fire. Lock shields. Lock shields. And, and uh, working on international mm-hmm. law, which is really important for us. 
or Saitan conference, mm -hmm. uh, which I do believe is one of the best regional cybersecurity conferences, uh, at least in Europe. Absolutely. I think it's for me, it's, it's, it's the, the important part of it is it brings all you know, the key uh, leaders and thought leaders and uh, you know, those who's working in the field all together in one place to have really important discussions. And for us, uh, as for an Estonian diplomats, what is really kind of core issue uh, for me here is that since then, we have somehow managed to um, kind of have this, this, uh, this kind of gathering mm -hmm. power. Yes. That whenever we talk about cyber, people listen, um, or we organize some, some event, people come here. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't mean that since 2007 we've been just living on, on that. <laughs> no. I mean, we've been constantly mm -hmm. developing our systems. And also, we've been quite vocal in terms of um, the government's mm -hmm. role um, and their responsibilities in, 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 in investing uh, in cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we've seen that now quite uh, obviously. With, uh, with the Russia's later mm -hmm. war against Ukraine. I mean, whatever our government or parliament decides or makes a statement, mm -hmm. there's immediately some kind of reaction. Absolutely. People do listen now. And, and you know, uh, one thing is, I think over the years, that has become such an important topic um, that really kind of it shows. I think one of the great things that's established was also Estonia uh, is one of the first countries to really establish a really good uh, public-private partnerships as well. Um, and that was key: is that uh, open discussions, communications, sharing, working together, and even you know the the forming of the Kaitsa League, uh, which is basically uh, you have the uh, the cyber. Uh, portion of that seeing in simulation and working together between the you know public private partnerships i mean that the origin of that mm. is is um is in the fact that uh, in the soviet union mm. i mean one thing that soviet union was good in was science mm -hmm. and, and uh, building rockets um, and we had quite many engineers and mm -hmm. we had the, the institute of cybernetics yep already yep. from the 60s so so we had kind of the school of engineers mm -hmm. that could really build up different systems. And I mean, to be honest, in the, in the 90s, when we were, 91, when we mm -hmm. regained independence, we were poor. Mm -hmm. And this is actually the reason why we are so good now. It was that we, we could not afford buying off-the-shelf solutions. We had to build our own yep. solutions. Everyone, every, one, one thing I always admired about Estonians is that when something breaks, they're not like just focus on replacing it they're adamant on repairing it <laughs> i think you know I'm, I'm sitting here i've got soldering irons and stuff but pretty much every estonian household has a soldering iron has you know, a <laughs> set of tools and every time i see something that's break i, if, I remember even with uh, my father-in-law we had traveled places and when we went to stay in a hotel and he found something that was broken <laughs> he could not leave until he actually fixed it clocks you know tvs radios and I think I was admired because absolutely you're right, is that the key thing is, you know, Estonia was, uh, even during Soviet times, was that key center for mathematicians, for science, for cryptography, for uh, 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 engineering and programming. Um, that was that key, key part. And I think that was uh, one thing that allowed Estonia to excel uh, after the re-independence. 
was that key knowledge uh, that was here. And the ability to do things on a shoestring is that, you know, do things, you had to build it yourself. You had to be able to, to develop it and create it. And that was a great, uh, I think, foundation to start with. And it, it's, uh, it's still an asset for us mm. because uh, whenever I go around the world and, and speak about Estonian experience, or our, our mm. diplomats are doing the same, um, then our story of, of being quite poor mm -hmm. after the collapse of Soviet Union and now seeing where we are now, I mean, we have done huge developments mm -hmm. and we have gained so much and, 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 and so much credit goes to the, to the digitalization yep. and, and, and what we have done in this sphere that this story, it's also quite relatable. Mm -hmm. To uh, to our global partners. Um, yes, that the question, of course, is, is about education and, and how to build up mm -hmm. the, the kind of the, the school of engineers mm -hmm. and, and, and the school of people who can, who can really do the development work. But nevertheless, I mean, every every country has mm -hmm. its own universities, its yep. institutes. The question is, how do you really utilize this knowledge base? Mm-hmm. And what and what to focus on and, and what's the core elements. Um so exactly. Um I think that's a critical so so going back into to, to, to your role um as as a cyber ambassador, what what is it what do you do and, and uh, what types of activities do you get involved into? Um do you work closely with other I mean, I don't believe every country has cyber ambassadors. I think there's very you know, I've met a few. Um but uh who do you interact with in other countries and what types of uh kind of Activities and resources do you create? Oh, that's a um, <laughs> somewhat loaded question for me. Um, well, if you think of, of, uh, of what we talked mm. just before about mm -hmm. where Estonia is and what is Estonian kind of story, it, it is mm -hmm. about a digital nation and, yes. and how we survive in the world. Um, I would also add that. There, there's no way for Estonia to go back to paper-based services. <laughs> no, <laughs> the, I, don't, I don't think. Yeah, physically, I, I don't think even the citizens would want to. Um, no. So, I mean, even last. I mean, one fundamental moment last year, I believe, was that in the uh, local elections last year, that it overtook for the first time uh, the e-voting or internet voting was actually uh, more than in person the, the electronic voting. Um, uh, so that that was a significant, I think, event showing that you know that's the direction people want. The internet to voting. Internet voting is because electronic voting could be something. Well, that pushing you a see button on a machine, yeah. yeah so exactly. I always try to internet voting versus electronic, because uh, in the U.S. they sometimes think of that as the same thing, you know. It's, yeah. uh, but uh, here it's too distinct. As one is using, you know, not going to a location and pushing a button, you're doing it from your own device in your own time at your own location. And soon we'll see also mm -hmm. mobile. Vote. Mobile phone. Uh, so going back to, to one of the things yeah, exactly. you were saying about. <laughs> so there's no way to yeah. go back to paper, yeah. uh, which means that for the for our kind of existence, mm -hmm. our functioning of the society, what we need is stability mm -hmm. and predictability in cyberspace. Cyberspace obviously is not just one country's business. So mm -hmm. it's it's really international. It's multidimensional. It's um, multi-stakeholder mm -hmm. approach, uh, I mean, all these multi-words. So my role really is 
to represent Estonia in this global fora, in the regional mm -hmm. fora, uh, to make sure that that the policies we commonly decide upon mm -hmm. would um, would increase the, the stability of mm -hmm. the cyber story. Because this is really more cooperation and consistency and same terminology and same ter uh, uh, same terminology yeah. that's actually one, one big question yeah. um, but but also the, this kind of key aspects of, of mm -hmm. uh, international law what does sovereignty for example mean in yeah. cyberspace yeah. there's a big big questions right now in the US about what does material mean in the with the SEC uh, launching the new rules um, into what does data owner refer to? You know, data. There's lots of those things about. You know, every country. You know, even go back to the U.S. when they talked about data collection. That can mean many different things. <laughs> so, um, so terminology for me is always is that yes, we all have the same sometimes terms, but do we have the same understanding of those terms and phrases and meanings? Or even mm -hmm. even uh, would data be a subject in uh, in, in international <laughs> law? I mean, there, there are many, many questions mm -hmm. here. And we are focusing a lot on, on uh, specifically on the international mm -hmm. law because we do have uh, a lot of expertise there. Yes. So on a global scene, for example, everybody has agreed most, more or less mm -hmm. that, that, that international law is, is, is applicable in cyberspace. So the question is how? Mm -hmm. Today, with a, with a war against Ukraine, Obviously, we're also talking about the international humanitarian law. Yep. So, basically, international norms during the wartime. Mm -hmm. what, what does it mean? Um, so, we, we can easily see kind of this global competition. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, uh, in, the, in, the, in the techie world, there's a, this huge global competition that we talk about that is about and then the chips, mm -hmm. and then all the all the industry access uh, to mm -hmm. data, access to uh, AI, and and all this. But we do have a global competition that mm -hmm. has been there for years, has been there for years and years in terms of how do we interpret what's happening mm -hmm. internationally in cyberspace. We can we can talk about I mean, as an example uh, the internet governance. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do have countries that do not like this multi-stakeholder approach. <laughs> we, coming from Estonia, we see that as one of the main building blocks for stability. Absolutely, in, which in which space. which results in a lot of countries still having like you know laws that allow safe havens for criminals to operate in. And that's that's one of the challenges, yeah. and you know that's why I think this is such an important role is to make sure that we have fewer places in the world where you know criminals have the free reign to operate from um, and. Uh, the diplomacy and, and policy and transparency and cooperation is one of the foundations that you know reduce that where possible. Absolutely, but it's so difficult. Mm -hmm. So difficult in, in a sense that in uh, in the UN we operate under the consensus, mm -hmm. and you are in the same room with the Russian Federation, with uh, with Iran, mm -hmm. Syria, um, China. Mm -hmm. Uh, North Korea, and they all have different, different, different values and different uh, ways of looking. But we have to always find what is the common ground. Uh, I think that's one of the things: is what what's our common. Um, uh, unfortunately, it's sometimes it's the it's the things that we don't have the same values that kind of 
become the, the focus and the highlights um, rather than finding kind of what, what can we do together. For me, what, mm-hmm. what, what the past two years of my cyber ambassador job has, has really shown mm-hmm. is that values really matter. Mm-hmm. And values also matter in the sense that, that values-based policies can easily become issues for security policy. Mm-hmm. And th- this kind of connection between mm-hmm. values-based discussions at the UN, how these will shape the international scene mm-hmm. tomorrow, and what implications these will have on our mm-hmm. digital society. Yeah. I think there's been several attempts, you know, one of the things you talked about is that, you know, having that the consensus about uh, what does it mean for society. And over the years, there's been a couple of discussions around things like the Talon uh, manual, uh, that was kind of attempt to kind of, what does that uh, look like uh, from basically, you know, and then we had discussions around uh, the Geneva Convention for cyberspace. And so, and recently, uh, Estonia announced uh, the partnership with uh, several key uh, players on the Talon mechanism. Um, can you explain? So it's been lots of different versions of the years. But what what is the Talon mechanism uh, that was announced recently? Yes, on on twentieth of December mm-hmm. we announced Talon mechanism. Actually, it was the announcement of the launch of yeah. Talon mechanism. We had been working on this for some time, along with uh, the US, mm-hmm. Canada, UK, uh, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Denmark, mm-hmm. Sweden, Poland. So quite many countries, yeah. and, and, and NATO as a as a as I understand as an observer, NATO <laughs> like, and, and the EU, and both. the EU, yeah, okay. And one of the key partners I didn't mention yet that mm-hmm. that is Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So what what we saw um, when the war uh, broke out mm-hmm. uh, in February last year in in Ukraine was that Ukrainians were, were then obviously in in, mm-hmm. in in a bit of mess. Yep. So different donors started to get different lists of, of uh, requirements, uh, and uh, we really, oh, sorry, two years ago, mm, yep. I'm mixing yeah, up right. the years with the, the new year. Um, so we, we with, with some of the donors, we really sat down mm-hmm. um, and and started to uh, figure out how to uh, how to kind of change this, mm-hmm. change the system. So that we could, much, with much more agility, give the assistance that a country needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we we came up with a kind of new coordination, donor coordination mm-hmm. mechanism, uh, which did not have the name Talent Mechanism at first. <laughs> I can get back to that afterwards. <laughs> but but uh, the the idea was was to. Um, have kind of a three-tier coordination mechanism. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you you would have front office in Kiev mm-hmm. that that is kind of locally gathering information. Okay. So it's the feet on the ground. It's the, the the intelligence and the eyes and ears. It's kind of operating locally. That, that. exactly. And also coordinating mm-hmm. with others. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have a back office that is kind of logistics hub. Mm-hmm. That's that and that is the place where where uh, you would do the, the kind of mixing and matching mm-hmm. that you you would have the the requirements coming from from Ukraine you have the opportunities uh from the donors mm-hmm. and the industry also let's not forget the industry here yeah because yeah, the industry is 
pretty much been there from the start. I think uh, you know individually, you had the likes of Microsoft, uh, Cisco, all providing you know services in order to make sure that their digital infrastructure is is withstanding all those daily attacks that's happening all the time. Um, and then each country's been doing it individually. So I see this as the first time because I think it's always important when you're looking at any type of operation that you work together. And I think for me. It's we're rather than everyone's doing it individually and maybe overlapping resources or you know duplicating resources, um, that this is now a more coordinated effort together to not only you know uh, support Ukraine in a kind of military defensive side, but in the cyber capabilities much more stronger going forward. Um, absolutely, and and uh, th- this is how we have seen it from the, from the mm-hmm. start, and and we, we we can we can come back to to this, but. I think the industry's role has really shaped the, the mm-hmm. whole environment where mm-hmm. we operate. But um, just to conclude, the, the the whole mechanism, I mean, with the front and back office, mm-hmm. we also have the steering committee where we just, on a higher level, we try to solve some issues or, or look what's in front. But the, the, the front office in Kiev, uh, this is mm-hmm. manned by Estonian diplomats, so mm-hmm. we have already made a lot of uh, uh, kind of effort Mm-hmm. To make sure that that it, it it works well enough, and that the back office is in Poland, mm-hmm. which is also for, for logi- logistical re- yeah. reasons, uh, it's quite logical. Um, and uh, now we, I mean, and I'm uh, sorry, and then we've been also mm-hmm. in, in close contact with an organization called CDEC, mm-hmm. which is Cyber Defense Assistance Collaborative. And this is kind of this organization that that brings in all these big tech companies mm-hmm. that has that have been assisting Ukraine, because we have we really see that we cannot do without them, and mm-hmm. we would not want to do yeah. it without them. And they, as as far as I've understood, that they are also they have been looking for this guidance mm-hmm. for what is a priority area now. What what are these? priority needs that that they could also help mm-hmm. out with uh, so we will come in with that information uh, and we can easily kind of put together different sets of information mm-hmm. and then and, and also maybe at one point tell the industry that that hey we see that this is a futile activity mm-hmm. right now maybe you could uh, turn turn your attention to something else mm-hmm. that is more priority right now because in the end we need ukraine to win the war yeah, it's it's ability to be more, as you say, agile, move faster, yep. uh, make decisions faster. On the like we have that insights on the ground, quick cooperation, which can really make a difference. And I mean, we if if this kind mm-hmm. of cooperation works well, this could be easily a, a great example also for the future mm-hmm. for for, the, for some other conflicts. Absolutely, because I mean, we, we've been a bit surprised that you know. I don't think we've seen the full capabilities to date uh, of you know the, the cyber side of things um, um, because you know ultimately it's I, I guess from a conflict side of things it's much more you know easier and going back to your traditional kind of methods. So I think still from cyber it's, a, it's still a bit unknown into what that will a true you know conflict in cyber would look like. I mean, my con- conclusion or, or lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this regard, is that we are not in a situation where we would see this uh, cyber Armageddon mm-hmm. or cyber 9-11 yet. And what Russians have really shown is that 
a children's hospital uh, destructed mm -hmm. by a missile has a much bigger uh, physical and psychological yeah, psychological impact uh, on society than it has of you know uh, you're basically a website that you're trying to access going exactly. down exactly yeah absolutely because I think we're still in that situation where we're we're still living in the real world. And the more we see the impact in the real world, the more that uh, damages you, you know, uh, from a basically mentally perspective. But that would mm. that doesn't mean that we should undermine the role of, of cyber. Yep. If we think of that, twenty third of February, two years ago, mm -hmm. uh, the case at uh, attacks. These, these are quite scary if you if you put these into kind of strategic view. Mm -hmm. um, and and how. Uh, different electricity grids, uh, yes, power yeah. plants have been attacked constantly. Uh, but the second lesson for me is really that Russians have uh, have have kind of turned the theory into practice mm -hmm. yeah. of integrating fully cyber into military warfare. Mm -hmm. So cyber is now a conventional part of of uh, any kind of warfare, and I'm quite sure that that's. Uh, also, some other countries that might have some sinister ideas mm -hmm. are looking quite closely what's yeah. happening. Yeah, and then and already starting to potentially you know invest in that uh, capability going forward. What's what's your outlook for this year? What do you see? What's what's the major events uh, coming, or what what's what would you like to achieve in twenty twenty four? What's your kind of your, your your goals you would like to see happening? Oh, that's that's, <laughs> a, that's a tough one. Um, I have to say. 23 already was was quite a crazy year mm -hmm. i don't think i've ever traveled so much <laughs> uh, but at the same time um, i feel really humbled uh, that we're still mm -hmm. invited to different places uh, because um, we still have something to say mm -hmm. um i think 24 2024 will be a year where we will be talking more about um, the lessons mm -hmm. um, identified or first learned, mm. or sorry, first identified <laughs> and then learned uh, from the conflict in Ukraine. One topic that, uh, besides telemechanism, mm -hmm. of course, one topic that I, I really want to put more emphasis on is the public private partnership. Right. And how do how do we see it in the future? Because and I mentioned before that I really feel that that the war in Ukraine has and then and the role of mm -hmm. of, of the industry has substantially changed mm -hmm. the landscape. I mean, we have that the industry that is giving directly direct assistance to the government. Mm -hmm. We have an industry that is migrating or storing sovereign data, mm -hmm. and the government's uh, intel services are more and more relying on the information that yep. the industry is, is providing us. Not that industry has not mm -hmm. provided it before, but but the, the extent of yes, the dependency and the 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 volume uh, has significantly increased. So my kind of big question mm -hmm. here is that. This is, is really elevating mm -hmm. um, the expectations from both sides, the industry and, and the government. Mm -hmm. And the Ukrainian case is quite black and white. 
and yeah. we're lucky with that. Mm -hmm. But in the future, if we if we'll have some other conflicts that would not be so black and white, mm -hmm. that means that we need to really talk with the industry, and not okay. just with the industry, but we need to also engage the civil society mm -hmm. to have this not the dialogue but the trilogue between three parties. I think. I think governments have actually started really realizing this more and more and more. I think Estonia has been doing it for quite a long time, but I've also seen the UK government becoming much more, uh, you know, focused on around the public-private partnership. The US uh, as well with CISA was was something that was really never happening prior to that. Uh, that they've started becoming more proactive, more you know, sharing and 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 trying to you know, rather than. Uh, you know, sharing intelligence quickly so that people can actually do something about it. Um, where it was, you know, where previously it was more about one directional information flowing. <laughs> you get yeah. it from private industry would go to to the governments. Now it's actually more cooperation. I think it's more transparency, more bidirectional, which makes a massive difference because then it allows uh, those organizations to really know what, what they can do much better. Um, and this has really changed. I think. Uh, more so in recent years. So I think that um, as we see moving forward, I completely agree that it's the cooperation which is going to be the foundational key uh, to making sure that one is we not only provide a safer internet for people and citizens within countries, but all over the world. In countries that may not have those capabilities, um, it will be able to expand it and share resources so that they can become uh, having a safer internet as well. Exactly. Um, I, I would add uh, one other topic mm -hmm. here, which uh, will be uh, a key one for me this year. And that is uh, related to, to AI. Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to figure out um, what, what should be the role of foreign ministry <laughs> in all this. I could ask that mm -hmm. from ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's going to tell you. It's going to tell you what it was two years ago. <laughs> so. Exactly, but but in 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 all fairness, I mean, when I was uh, uh, last summer, mm -hmm. uh, I attended the RightsCon conference in mm -hmm. San Jose, and that's that's one of the main conferences mm -hmm. for civil society, and it was really interesting for me to hear uh, that for the civil society organizations, one of the main concerns right now is, is AI. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I, I never thought that it's going to be so predominant mm -hmm. thing, um, and that really kind of opened my eyes. And and uh, and then I started to to think, but okay, if civil society is is, is concerned uh, and rightfully mm -hmm. also to a large extent concerned, then why am I why am I not concerned <laughs> and and <laughs> What should be my concern? Mm -hmm. So um, I mean, asking that uh, that question also from from my colleagues uh, all around the world, and and I mean, mostly different countries have been thinking mm -hmm. in in kind of internal politics or internal yeah. use of AI and how how that needs to be regulated. But, mm -hmm. but my main concern right now, as an cyber ambassador, is, is really about the kind of international cooperation. Mm -hmm. And what are the topics that we need to to still uh, address? I mean, the the yeah. EU came up with a, with the first the uh, EU AI Act exactly. established 
like explainability, accountability, responsibility, which is all key parts, I think. And then, of course, we had the UK government, uh, I think, jumping a little bit ahead. They wanted to get their announcement out before the EU <laughs> came into play uh, with their cooperation between the AI guideline best practices, which which I think is a good start. Um, I think all of these are great because um, it really sets a, a starting point. Uh, so but would that be the, the only implication on foreign and security policy? <laughs> I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take another step there mm. further. Yeah, actually taking it forward, it was more about how governments will, will use and uh, cooperate. Uh, absolutely. I think that's something I, we, we, we do predict it uh, 2024 will be the battle of AIs. <laughs> so yeah. that's where um, not just uh, from a, a, a using as at a service, but also from a defensive capability and the offensive side. Uh, we do see it something that's it's going to accelerate uh, this year uh, more significantly than we've ever seen in the past. And, and I mean, one, one uh, wish I have for, for mm -hmm. this year is that, that, uh, that the developers of different AI mm -hmm. systems would uh, be more considerate, uh, uh, more considerate towards uh, the global partners. Mm -hmm. uh, again, in San Jose, it was at, at the Ryzen conference, somebody, I think it was a diplomat from, uh, from Nigeria, mm -hmm. he, she was saying that, that what are you talking about? Let's start from connectivity. We, <laughs> we, we need still connectivity mm. because without the connections, you can't generate data. Without data, you can't generate AI. So why are you jumping ahead so much? Well, At the same time, I'm, I'm hearing more and more also uh, um, about uh, data colonialism. Mm -hmm. That there is us kind of abusing the data that we mine in mm -hmm. uh, in these third countries or global yeah. partner countries, and then using for for the development of of, of our AI systems, mm -hmm. and not really allowing them to these countries to benefit as well. Yeah. That's an interesting perspective that I haven't I haven't thought about. Uh, now now I've, I've got an idea to do more consideration around it. <laughs> so. And and, and th there are so many other mm -hmm. questions that I don't, I don't know about yet. Mm -hmm. And this this is frightening me because I want to know about so <laughs> most of the important questions, but but these keep popping mm -hmm. up and and uh, or um, I'll kind of uh, leave you with, mm -hmm. with another AI related question <laughs> here is is that if the the AI that's uh, that is that is developed in this mm -hmm. kind of global north. Yep. And that is relying mostly on, on the data on Global North. What would be the implications in the Global South? It will be bias and uh, by nature. That's the problem. Um, and also won't be you, you. Yeah, it's. I think that's that's the challenge we've had is that uh, since the majority of data has been generated in certain countries for a certain amount of time, um, that uh, there will be a lot of uh, let's say retraining that needs to be done with the algorithms moving forward uh, as new data sets start to get, uh, get inter you know, uh, interlinked into it. So I, I think it's, so. it's going to be a challenge. So we've seen that <laughs> in some of the existing models today. 
so I think for the audience, we're going to leave that <laughs> as something on their on their mind uh, to look into uh, going forward about what you know what their input and what their feedback are. Even maybe it might even trigger some of the audiences to do some research in this area um, that uh, can then report on later in the year. So Tamil, it's been fantastic having you on the show and really intriguing conversation and great to kind of hear a lot about some of the activities, some of the history, and some of the things that you've been doing. Uh, ultimately, you know, hopefully this was going to make. Uh, one of society, uh, not just in Estonia, but in the world, a safer place, and that other governments will uh, start to make sure that cyber ambassadors become uh, something uh, that every country should establish and, and should uh, you know, establish to have that cooperation, to have that point of contact. Uh, because today, I don't think every country has a point of contact who, who to speak to uh, on that uh, perspective. Uh, so for the audience, many thanks for tuning in. I hope this has been educational and enjoyable. Tanel, you've been an awesome guest, and thank you. And it's great to always see you in person. Uh, for the audience, tune in every two weeks for the 401 Access Tonight podcast. We're bringing you latest topics, themes, educational information. And we hope this has been something that uh, has been you know, a valuable lesson and uh, enjoyable for you. Thank you. Stay, take care and stay safe and see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Delinea, the number one privileged access management solution for enterprises with complex hybrid IT environments. You can get our free ebook, Privileged Access Management for Dummies, by visiting us at delinea.com slash PAM for Dummies. That's delinea.com forward slash PAM, the number four, dummies. From all of us at Delinea, thanks for listening.